Hey everyone, BT here. Thanks for joining us here on the Successful Mind Podcast. We've got something very special for our listeners today, another high-level teaching that David did recently on the Clubhouse platform. Now, for those of you who are not familiar with Clubhouse, it's the latest social networking app that allows people to gather in audio chat rooms and discuss a wide range of topics. Because it is delivered over your mobile device, you may notice a difference in audio quality, which we're hoping doesn't take away from your listening experience. What's important to know here is the content is key, and David always delivers. For more information on how you can join us on future Clubhouse meetings with David, be sure to check out the show notes below. All right, enough of me already. Let's hit the club. Successful people learn how to make their mind work for them. I'm David Nagel, and this is the Successful Mind Podcast. And welcome, everyone. Glad to see so many familiar faces back for a clubhouse meeting with David Nagel. This one that we're doing this evening, actually, it's not even evening yet, it's early, it's only 4 p.m. Eastern, is Reprogram Your Middle Class Mindset for Wealth with Q&A. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Steph Tuss. I am David's CEO, and I also moderate these clubhouses. Um, Welcome, welcome. Today is going to be super fun. We've got a tiny little bit of content planned, so a little teaching, and then we wanted to give everyone ample time for Q&A or to get any help they need around the topic and theme of a middle class mindset. I've got David here. He's ready to go. We're just waiting for everybody to join us. I know these notifications kind of come out a little bit late. Welcome, everybody. Again, my name is Steph. I'm CEO for David and your moderator tonight. Tonight's topic of conversation, reprogram your middle class mindset for wealth with Q&A. So you'll be able to ask David any burning questions live in this meeting. But first, let me just say that most of us were programmed to be middle class in everything we think, say, and do. And this programming governs our entire life unless we choose to break out of it. When you're programmed in this way, everything you see is literally filtered with a middle-class perspective. So you, you hear yourself saying things to yourself like, I got to work long hours. Um, if I want it right, I have to do it myself. Life will always be a struggle. I could never afford that. Why does this always happen to me? And these are some of the, the ideas and thoughts that come out of being programmed with a middle-class mindset. And tonight we're going to really kind of take a look at where this middle-class middle mindset comes from and how it sabotages success. Because it's very different than an entrepreneurial mindset or a wealth mindset, as people say. So looking at this, looking at this middle-class mindset, we're hoping that it's going to be able to help you see how you might be stopping yourself or sabotaging yourself with the beliefs that you hold. So, David, are you here with me? I'm here. Hey, how you doing? I'm good. How are you? You know what? I could not be better because literally 30 seconds ago, my landscapers left, so now I don't have to go do this clubhouse meeting in my closet. So, <laughs> As long as they're not coming over here, we're okay. <laughs> fantastic. <clears throat> doing fantastic. All right, let's start with this. So, first of all, let me set this up. If at any point during this conversation you have a question, you want to have a conversation with David about what he's talking about, simply raise your hand and I'll move you up on stage. And then when we take a break, we'll ask you to unmute and you can have a conversation with David, whether it's you want to add something to the conversation or you want to ask a question and and possibly receive some coaching. So please don't feel like you need to wait for an invitation or an end or something like that. We're going to keep this really free-flowing free and super casual. So if you've got questions, go ahead and raise your hand, and we'll move you up on stage. All right, David, let's start this off with first. Not a lot of people are aware of what a middle-class mindset is, and they're certainly unaware of how a middle-class mindset can sabotage your success. So can you just start with a brief kind of description definition of that in and of itself? Yeah, 
It's a, it's a, so our, our mindset is really made up of our values and our belief systems. And a middle-class mindset is nothing more than a set of values and belief systems that are taught to people that are born and raised middle-class, working-class, even professional-class um, to some extent that allows them to basically navigate their life, make good choices for the, in the, the, the in financial environment, the work environment that they're born into and they're being raised in so that they can navigate it. Uh, for most of their life. And um, uh, the problem that is with that is that it's entirely different from an entrepreneurial mindset. Neither one is good or bad. I think it's a preference. It's a life preference. It's a life choice for whatever it is that you're looking for to experience your life or what you want to get out of life. But what we find is that if somebody is raised with and raised in a middle-class mindset, the values and beliefs that they, that they hold, that they cherish, that they live by are not going to give them the results they're looking for. If they want to be business owners and entrepreneurs and even worse uh, may cause them to fail or have really bad results in a lot of ways. So you and I were both raised middle class. Yes, we were. Actually kind of lower middle class. I don't know if you, you identify with middle class or lower middle class, but I know I was lower middle class. <laughs> My husband was raised lower middle class and we're, we've had to make a lot of changes because of that. When did you first become aware that this was something that we really needed to take a look at? When I couldn't pay my bills or feed my family. <laughs> that was, that was the, that was when I started really looking at it. Um, I realized that I was making decisions in my life uh, that I did not understand the consequences of. I think that I was born with an entrepreneurial mindset, an entrepreneurial energy, an entrepreneurial outlook on life, but I was not born into an entrepreneurial family. It was, it was lower middle class. Um, it wasn't real bad, uh, but it was, there, were, there were times, there were, some, there were some real rough times, and the mindset was not pro-success. It was pro-survival. So I'm trying to, as a matter of fact, I was, just, I was just telling somebody today that the interesting thing about that time for me, especially when I was a teenager, was that the number one thought in my, in my head stuff was how, to get, how do I get the hell out of here? How do I get out of the town that I'm being raised in? How do I get away from people that really have no vision for their life? And where, and where do I go? So without having any education around that, without having anybody to give me advice around that, I started making choices because I was so desperate to get out and really get out of a bad childhood too. Um, but, but I was making very critical errors in my judgment and uh, in the choices that I was making because I was just looking to get out. So it's, it left me in a position where by the time I had started my family, um, things were not getting better. They were progressively getting worse. There were some things going on with the economy that had affected me deeply because I had put myself in a situation where I was enormously affected by changes in the economy because I didn't really have any options because I didn't have any education and I didn't have many skill sets. So it left me um, with things like having my car repossessed. Uh, filing for bankruptcy, uh, being on food stamps for a short period of time, having to live in a less than desirable neighborhood and not knowing how to get out. Because every time I would think to myself, how do I change this around? My mind would basically go blank. It was like work harder, work longer, see if you can get a job that pays a few cents more an hour more than what you're doing now. And here's the big one, spend less. Um, and while spending less is not necessarily a bad thing, it is not the thing that's going to get you out of a situation when you've made so many poor decisions because you were just ignorant to making good decisions and you end up in a really bad place for yourself. Yeah, I totally agree. Just going to reset the room real quick. Welcome to all everyone new who's just entered our room. This is Reprogram Your Middle Class Mindset for Wealth with Q&A with David Nagel. If you're enjoying the conversation and you feel there are people that can benefit from being in this room, all you got to do is hit the plus sign down at the bottom right hand of your screen and invite them to join us. We are talking about a middle class mindset. And 
you had mentioned something interesting. You said, work harder, work harder, get a job that paid more. Um, the, the, the problem sometimes with the middle-class mindset is that you, as a business owner, you're working and you think you're doing all the right things. You don't realize you're not operating from an entrepreneurial mindset or from a wealth mindset because these middle-class beliefs can be very sneaky and it's, it's what you know, right? Can, right. You, can you talk about, like, say, a handful of these sneaky middle-class beliefs that sabotage someone's ability to really kind of break out of that, the mold and, and achieve success? Once they're in business, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. So the idea around business is that you're taking a product or a service to market uh, to benefit others at a profit. And one of the one of the main things that we see is that the person who is running the business does not understand what profit is, why profit is important. And they end up creating a system or a structure, including pricing, including not paying themselves that they think is going to allow them to sell more products or services to other people. The other thing is that there's this idea that seems to run rampant with people that have never been in business to themselves, that if you have the right product or service, that's enough. People will come to you and without any logical thinking as to how they're going to know about it. And I have talked to literally thousands of people all over the world that suffer from this belief, that they think just because they believe they have a good product or service, people should come to them, but they can never explain to you, well, how would they even know about it? And I mean, of course, it was worse before we had the internet and social media and stuff like that. But even with all of the technology that we have today, people are so buried by how much there is. Nobody could possibly know about what it is that you have if they're not actually told about it. So... There's, there are several different things that require a person stand up, stand out, and be a voice for what it is that they have to offer in the world and learn the skill sets that allow them to communicate that with their given or chosen market. And if they don't know these things and they don't know how to cultivate those skills or where to go look or who to ask, they're in real trouble from the, from the starting point. And then there's the ultimate one because listen, a person can have a business of one. It could be just a business of you're the business all by yourself. When I first started, I was the business and I had a, pro I had a product, I had a service. My job every day was to sell my product or service. That means I needed to, I needed to find and ask people to buy. And if people are afraid of rejection, they're afraid of what other people think. They're afraid that they'll, they, uh, they won't get what it is that they need. They will sit all day long doing busy work because basically that's how they were taught to earn a living. Most people don't realize that, by the way, Steph, that in a middle-class mindset, we are trained from babies to learn a skill, go to a job, and receive a paycheck every week. In our mind, we're getting paid for showing up and doing that job. So if you take somebody that has never experienced the thought process of what it's like to own a business and they start a business very often they will subconsciously just get involved in tons of busy work and they'll really be confused as to why they're not getting paid. It's one of the most bizarre things to witness, but it happens all the time because they're not programmed from a cause and effect perspective as what do I need to specifically do to generate income to come into my business. Were there any other ones that you were thinking of that I haven't touched on? So the one thing that I see people struggle with the most is this notion of being responsible. They, they make decisions with this. Well, is that the responsible? Is that being irresponsible? They have a misunderstanding of responsibility. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that's a hundred percent accurate. And so the question is then, what is their idea of responsibility based on? Um, it's based on saving money. It's based on not spending a lot of money. It's based on doing the right thing based on how they were taught to do the right thing. And I think that that's where the big clash comes in. Because all the things that a business person does or the entrepreneur does, 
completely go against the values of what another person thinks is right and wrong, just from social graces standpoint. I'm not talking about like ethically wrong, uh, like if somebody was stealing or you know something like that or selling something that was illegal. But just the fact of putting yourself out there does not seem responsible to other people because they weren't invited, they're being rude, they're talking about things that are unacceptable, that you were taught in, the, in middle class you're not supposed to talk about. You're not supposed to talk about money. You're not supposed to like go someplace uninvited. And there's many things within the business themselves, how they spend money, how they charge money, what they charge for uh, a certain product or a service that they're not thinking of like, does this make mathematical sense from a business perspective? They're thinking about how they feel about it. And so many of those things that make total sense to help a person move a business forward, they do feel that is an irresponsible thing on their end, like paying themselves, like hiring somebody else and working harder to pay that person. Those are things that they think are irresponsible. Like if they don't have the cash in hand in order to be able to make a decision, they won't make a decision because they think that's the responsible thing to do. And it's the most irresponsible thing a business owner could do because it'll cause the collapse of their business. Well, I think that goes hand in hand with risk, right? So I know that being raised in the environment that I was raised in, you you pretty much wanted to avoid risk, if at all possible. And being a business owner, I mean, I I take risks all the time. Every day, <laughs> we wouldn't grow without taking risks. Every day, that means trying new things and investing in something that may not work or it may work. You don't ever really know. But this whole notion of responsibility and risk, and then you bring in business owners who have a team and then they feel trapped even more because they have to be responsible to their team because they, they have people depending on them. And it gets like, it gets almost perverted in a way in a business sense. Well, it does. If you look at a middle-class person, what is a, what is risk to a middle-class person is anything that they don't, they do not know that you can assure them of what the outcome is. So in business, all you're doing is making decisions based on you don't know what the outcome is. And you're looking for the outcome to tell you what the next decision is. For a middle class person, that is crazy thinking. Because all it, their thought is, well, what if something goes wrong? I remember, and you and I have talked about this before. Um, in my family, the idea was, what if something goes wrong? And, and I would say to them, well, like what? And they'd be like, I don't know, just something. Well, you know, what if something goes wrong? Well, then I'll figure out how to fix it. Well, what if you can't figure out how to fix it? Well, give me an example of what could go wrong. I don't know. They would get just angrier and more indignant in pushing the narrative. But there, you could see just by having the conversation that it was really tied to being safe and anything outside of that, how they understood their world was not safe and very much a risk to them. Yeah. I, I, it's, it's, it's uncomfortable, right? I mean, as a business owner, I mean, we, we've got business owners on here right now. I mean, I think if you asked yourself, how often have you felt uncomfortable? You would probably say pretty damn often you feel uncomfortable, whether it's having hard conversations with your with your team, whether it's taking a risk on a marketing strategy that may turn out to not do what you want it to do, whether, I mean, you're forced, you, you have to, you have to take calculated risks. It, it's a totally, so, so here's a, so here is, here's how this mindset is completely different. When I first started in business, I remember uh, I did something very smart. I had a mentor. I had somebody who was giving me advice, mostly about my mindset um, than anything else. But but I had a person that was very far ahead of me, multimillionaire, and this person was giving me advice. And I said, when does this feeling of everything being uncomfortable go away? And he said, it doesn't. He said, in fact, you don't want it to go away. You Here's the mindset shift. You want to become comfortable being uncomfortable because the day that you become comfortable in your business is the first day that it starts to die because you're not growing. You're not expanding. So that should be something. See, an entrepreneur wants that feeling. It 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 feels good. It feels growth. It feels expansive, expressive, exciting to them because they understand 
that just because they may have a result that they don't want doesn't mean that it takes away their choice. They can make a different choice. And in fact, a business should be data-driven. Like we're looking for both good results and bad results to tell us what to do. Yeah, I think the issue, part of the issue comes in when when people give the results meaning, they make it mean something about them. Like if if my, if this if this mistake is made, then that means that I am a bad person or I am right. not good enough rather than just allowing the data to be data. Right. Yeah. Because on, because middle class is raised in an environment about getting it right the first time, caring enough to get it right the first time, uh, caring enough to do a good job the first time which means we don't make mistakes. And when we get, we start to make mistakes and it starts all the way from where we're little kids, we get reprimanded from the teacher. We get reprimanded from the parents. We get reprimanded from the clergy. We get reprimanded from, you know, whoever is around us in a position of authority. They want us to get it right, get it right, get it right. And if we're not getting it right, there's almost this assumption like you don't care. Like if you really cared you would put enough effort into your homework and enough effort into what you're doing in order to get it right the first time. And there is not um, an alternate thought process of let the mistake drive the correction. Uh, it, it is very much don't make mistakes. And I think that we, so many people learn that at such a young age, they don't have the ability to differentiate between Here's a mistake I shouldn't have made because maybe I didn't study or didn't do my homework or or whatever, and I need to correct something there versus a mistake that is going to allow me to grow and actually think differently in my life. And that's the difference between an entrepreneur and somebody who's middle class at a very functional level. Thank you, David. For everyone that's just joined, this is Repro- Reprogram Your Middle Class Mindset for Wealth with Q&A on Clubhouse. This is an open conversation. Yes, David and I have started it, but feel free to jump in. If you've got something you'd like to add or share, or you've got a question or coaching that might help you, go ahead and raise your hand and I'll move you up on the stage. Otherwise, feel free free to just listen and take what you can from this conversation. All right, so we've identified several of these middle-class beliefs. And I know like I could pinpoint every single one of them working behind the scenes when I, when I started my first business. What are some symptoms that, business, that, that you see business owners have when they have this value conflict? Actually, maybe I should have you explain what the value conflict is first. Um, can, you, can you, yeah, let's do that. Can you go ahead and explain what a value conflict is, how this, how this creates this, this tension in someone's mind? Yeah. So a value, a value conflict goes back to what I said when we first started the call, that, you know, Middle class, even professional class, which would be like doctors, attorneys, dentists, you know, that type of thing. Somebody that went on to get a higher degree, but basically has a very small business or a job for themselves. Um, The value that they're being run by primarily is acceptance from other people. And fundamentally, the idea of their survival is that they need to be accepted by other people in order to, so that they get paid, whether they have a job and they need to have that position held on to because they have a direct boss or because their clients approve of them and they like their work, that type of thing. So the value that they have is, is to really everything that they think about is how do I keep that client happy? Now, that's not necessarily a bad thing, but when it becomes everything, then it is a very big problem. So if you take somebody that is raised is an entrepreneur that's really looking to live their purpose, they want to take a product or a service and they want to go out there and make it big and make a difference. They want to make a profit. Uh, they want to expand what they have. Maybe they're maybe they're creating a new industry. They're doing something very very different in their mind than just making a living. Their their belief that they show up with is that they're not afraid to make somebody upset because they're trying to make a difference more than they are trying to make a living. And I think that there's this fundamental idea of 
one person really wants to go out there and live their purpose in life. Another person wants to maybe do a little different, but, but what's most important is that they bring home that paycheck every week. And then it becomes, well, what is that, what is that money actually tied to? An entrepreneur knows that the money is not tied to whether somebody likes them or not. It's tied to whether their product or service makes a difference and shows a value in somebody's life. So their whole their whole idea is, how do I communicate that value to that person? And in many ways, communicating the value to that person means risking whether the person actually likes you based on your personality or, or whatever. Um, and some people might think, well, well, why, how could you make a difference in somebody's life if they didn't like you? And it's, it's not so much either or, it's the idea that they're not focused on, I have to like this person in order to benefit from whatever they have. We have, I mean, if you just look around your house, you'll realize that there's many products and services that we have that make a tremendous difference in our life. And we have, we don't know the people that created them or manufacture them or distribute them or sell them, you know, at all. Um, but that is not the subconscious process that's going on in a, 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 a person who's, who's really working a job for a living. So when we have a, when we have a value conflict, there is something that a person needs to do that is in conflict with what they think they believe. They do not understand the difference. And when they're in conflict with each other, the individual will usually back away from the thing that they need to be, do, or have in order to be able to move themselves forward within the spectrum of what they're experiencing um, in a business or, or in a job, for that matter. I think it gets more magnified when it's in a business. Because you're the, it's, it's not like you get a paycheck whether you show up or not in many, in many jobs. Like most people know that if you show up for a job, if you don't feel well that day or you're not performing at your best, you know, you can go on for a little while before you get fired or, or don't have a paycheck. But when you're an entrepreneur, that's, that's not the case. It has to be, you have to be on the ball every single day because you're the one that's in, in charge of that. So I think that, um, it, that's where we find that most people kind of get tripped up. They know that that is a major issue and it, it paralyzes them or scares them when they cannot um, basically come to a resolution between the experience they're having and what they think about the experience that they need to be doing. Therefore, you have a value conflict that, that shows up. And most value conflicts, believe it or not, come down to shame and guilt, which is a really, like for a person on the outside looking in, I think it's a really weird thing, but actually shame and guilt prevent most people from actually being who they were put here to be, and, you know, at any level. Shame says that there's something fundamentally wrong with you. So if I'm doing something um, that upsets somebody, uh, very often the person will experience shame because of that. And if you do something that you feel guilty about, you spend a tremendous amount of time wishing you hadn't done something, so you're not making any progress forward. And of course, there's a lot of there's there's a lot of tentacles that come out of that in various different areas, Steph. But really, that's the foundation of of all value conflicts, actually. Thank you. Just resetting the room real quick for those of you who just joined us. This is reprogram your middle class mindset for wealth with Q and A, and we are here with David Nagel talking about value conflicts with a middle-class mindset and a wealth or abundance mindset. So we've talked about the value conflict and how this creates problems. If, if you've got a business owner, how is this going to show up in their business? So what are some of the, what are some symptoms they've got a value conflict going on? Um, symptoms of a value conflict. So not charging enough would be a symptom of a, a value conflict, not paying yourself would be a symptom of a value conflict. Um, not hiring or firing someone would be a symptom of a value conflict. As a matter of fact, you and I see the, the, the letting go of uh, an employee that shouldn't be working for you all the time. We see people have that problem all the time. Maybe I didn't train them well enough. Maybe I, maybe I need to give them more of a chance. Whatever it might be, they, they're the value conflict that's actually going on is that they're not a nice person. See, if I let this person go, I'm not a nice person. And they're, what they're doing is they're putting 
the value between them and another individual in between the value of what's best for the business. And so the business is not being driven by what is best for the business. I mean, the decisions are not being driven by what's best for the business. It's whether or not I'm a good person or not by doing this. And that's not the agreement that you're making with an employee, nor is the that the agreement of an employee when they go to work for a company. Yet that value conflict really gets very muddy for a lot of individuals. Yeah, it, it really does. I, you know, and I maybe this is just because we've seen a lot of it just in this last week with, you know, team management. You're, if, if you're controlled by the fear of what your employees or your team thinks about you, you are an, you have just created a prison for yourself. <laughs> Very much so. I, I love the question, what's in the best interest of the company? Because it completely eliminates all emotion out of it and takes the focus off of you and puts the focus on what's in the best interest of the company. But we've had a lot of clients lately really struggle with how do I know if I need to fire this person? And really, it's if you're asking the question, chances are you need to fire the person. So yeah. it's, it's a really interesting um, dynamic. We had someone raise their hand and want to join the conversation. Eva, welcome. Thank you. Hi, guys. Um, hi, Eva. Hi. Um, I have a question kind of around the mindset, maybe in general. Um, I feel like I intellectually understand it, but I was just wondering how, how do I internalize it or how? Um, good question. How do I get sort of unstuck? I yeah, suppose. this is a this so this is a good question. And again, the way this happens is another value conflict between entrepreneurs and middle class people. So the idea is this: most people approach the mindset by thinking, I'll change my thinking into a new behavior. And that's actually not the way it works. You have to change your behavior into a new way of thinking. Our thinking is very, very, very ingrained in our subconscious mind. And I think that most people do not realize how much their subconscious mind is programmed for them to, to trip them up so that they don't change their way of thinking. Because the way your subconscious mind works is that it's looking for beliefs and values to turn into behavioral patterns that keep you alive in the moment and so that so that biologically you'll reproduce that's that's really all it's designed for it's not designed to make you happy it's not designed to make you rich it's not designed for you to have a great business or a great love life or or any of that the outcomes of all of those things are due to how do we think and evaluate um, all of those different processes. But once you have a mindset around anything, when, the only way to sufficiently change it is to externalize the behavior, change the behavior based on cause and effect, get a different outcome, and repeat it as often as you can, and your thinking will automatically change. Another another thing about this is that this is why people will read a book or go to a seminar or hire a coach and go, that didn't work. No, it didn't work because all you're doing is getting intellectual information and that doesn't change anything. However, because it's the way that we learned since we were babies, we think that if we just take the intellectual information in, we're going to get the result. And it's just, it's simply not the way that it works. So you have to you have to change your behavior to change the way that you're thinking. Thank you. So so it's when you I think I heard you to tell the story with Bob Proctor that you were this kind of accepted your behavior as you already have the goal, right? When you were trying yeah. to become a millionaire, you were taking yeah. the first class and all that stuff. Is that? Yes, that's absolutely okay. correct. Okay. It's absolutely Thank correct. you. You're welcome. Thank you. Thanks, Eva. And if anyone else would like to join the conversation, please go ahead and raise your hand. We are in Reprogram Your Middle Class Mindset for Wealth with Q&A with David Nagel, and we are talking about middle class beliefs. You know, David, as I was sitting here listening to, to Eva and to you talk, I remember that we have um, a checklist 
of these beliefs that we created a long time ago for a different program. I think it's yeah, we do. probably 75 different um, middle-class beliefs. Um, and they're fascinating. I just pulled it up and it's like, if you ever heard better safe than sorry, guess what? Lack belief, right? Don't take on more than you can handle. Don't waste money on silly toys. Easy come, easy go. Enjoy it while you can. I know I heard that from, from my parents. Enjoy it while you can. We have this entire list. So if you're wondering if there's some middle class issues playing in in your, in your mindset, um, let's do this. I'm going to do this, David. I hope you're okay with this. If you want to get your hands on this checklist, go ahead and click on David's profile picture and go down to Instagram and DM him. Just, just let's see, DM him the word belief and we'll get this, we'll get this to you. It's fascinating. I think it's 70. They're not numbered, but I think it's. Yeah, no, it's a great list. Different beliefs. Yeah. It, so just, it's a, it, thanks for doing that stuff. That's a, that's a fantastic list to give out to them. Yeah. So give us some time to get it to you. I gotta, I have to find it. Um, and then David's got to get it to you after we're off clubhouse. So if, if you're interested, just slide into his DMS and Instagram and type belief in chat and he will, he'll get it for you. It's a great resource. Like it's interesting to me because even some of these, I just didn't think were a lack mindset and they, they sure are. Well, you know, it kind of also depends on where you're using them. Saving is not a lack mindset if you have a fixed income and have no intention of ever getting out of it. Well, yeah, you make a very good point. The same thing with debt. Like debt can be horrible for somebody that has a fixed income with no intention of getting out of it. I mean, it can be very scary for a person, but it can be so constructive for a person that's building a business and knows how to handle it in a responsible fashion and direct it where they need to use it. Oh, for, yeah. Oh my gosh. We talk to entrepreneurs all the time who have so much shame around guilt or so so much shame around debt. And yet debt is one of the most effective tools for a business owner. Yep. Like it's a huge value conflict. Okay. We've had more people join Shasta. Welcome to the conversation. Hi, guys. Thank you so much. Um, So grateful, as always. Um, You know, I'm so grateful for all the years and probably thousands of hours that you have uh, given me in my life. I had a quick question, just as you were, um, Steph, talking about the checklist, which I think is amazing. And um, being a a student, uh, gosh, these teachings have just transformed my life so much. But my question really is, and... I have a question and then the way that I've responded to it. So I'm looking for just a little bit of feedback quick on that. So I didn't grow up middle class. I actually grew up more like super working class, like hillbilly elegy. I felt like when I was watching that movie, like, holy fuck, that is literally the life that I grew up in. Yeah, yeah. And I've come so far. And I think there's similar mindsets. But what I actually grew up with was this more a story of, Like, who do you think you are? Rich people are total assholes. You know, our people don't do that, whether it's on my mother's side, you know, like white trash or on my father's side being First Nations and oppressed and having this sort of like um, you're and, and the projection from my family was your and I know you guys know I've worked through this, but I've made a shift around this recently is you're the crazy one. You're the crazy one to think that you can be anything more than white trash. You're the crazy one to think that we shouldn't be weekend alcoholics. Like I grew up with major alcohol, like addicts sure. in my life too. So there's a lot of crazy making. And I had this sort of epiphany lately that most of the time in my head, when I have that voice that comes up, that's like, is this crazy? Am I crazy to think this? It's generally what I've realized now, uh, an indicator that I'm probably on the right path, that I am moving towards what I really want and desire. And instead of being like, oh, you're crazy. And as you, you know, you both know, it was really a big thing for me for a really long time of like, oh, I must be the crazy one um, to want more in my life. Now I've kind of flipped that to be like, that's probably a good indicator that that is your, you know, all with rationale and mindful thinking, of course. But For sure, so, Shasta. I think that's 100, you're, 100, you're right on with that, with that statement. Okay. 
So thank you for that. In, in terms of when we're thinking of middle class mindset and more like either working class or like, you know, and I don't mean to sound like a jerk, but like white trash mindset, um, are there things that over the years when you've worked with clients that have come, you know, and I know that you've helped me so much, but is there anything in that sort of mindset that is a big sort of watch out for this one specifically as we there continue is. to grow? Okay, thank you. There absolutely is, and I want to thank you for the question. So the difference is that when you, you're, so you're, the difference is this, most I, sh- I shouldn't say most. I sh- I need to stop saying. I need to break my habit of saying that. A lot of people that are raised middle class, um, they really believe that they are responsible individuals. They believe that they have some power over their lives and that they can they can make something of themselves. But the mindset that you're talking about is when victimization has been a part of your upbringing since you were born. And the idea is that the reason you, your family, and your kind are in the position that you are is because somebody else victimized you. And then they point the finger at rich people or well-to-do people or basically anybody but you. And those are the people that caused you to be in the position that you're in. Here's the biggest problem with this, though. The problem is that once you get a group of people to accept the idea that they're a victim, they do not grow up thinking they have the power to change. And that's why so many of those individuals never do actually make a change because they believe, as as people believe the sun comes up in the east, that the reason that they're in the position is because of some other people's behavior or way of thinking and, and they stay completely stuck there all of their lives. Eric Hoffer wrote a great book, fantastic book, um, about about the about the mass conscious belief around ideas like this it's a it's a it's a small book and it's a bit older but i would encourage you to get that that book um that that hoffer wrote it's what is it called um it'll come to me it is is it called the power of belief something like that but it's a it's a study into mass consciousness and and i think that's what you're talking about shasta Thank you. That's that's totally helpful. And it's exactly what you said. Like we're we're always victims. It's never our fault. We never have to take responsibility. And right. how dare you try to want to be better? We're victimized. So um, I had a total epiphany as you were speaking. Thank you. Right. I had half of my family believed that they were victims and half did not. And I thank God that I was exposed a, a lot. To th- my father did not believe that. He had a lot of beliefs that I didn't agree with, but he did believe that we had the power to create our life with however we wanted to do it. He would not tolerate victimized thought from me as a child. So I was exposed. I do not think that if he was in my life that I would be who I am today. I think because he really encouraged me to believe different around being a victim and being empowered, I think that went a long way to my own psychology. Such a great question. Thank and you. Your dad, too, did too, to a, a, a large degree, Steph. Oh, God, yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, 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 was, I was raised in a very victim. Well, it was 50-50, kind of like you. It was very yeah. much 50-50. Yeah. Fascinating. Thank you, Shasta, for that great question. For those of you just joining us, we're having an open discussion about how to reprogram your middle-class mindset for wealth. With David Nagel, if you'd like to join the conversation, just raise your hand and we'll bring you on up. Next up, we've got Abraham. Hey guys, David, good to see you. Steph, nice Brandon. to see you. Yeah, great to be here. So glad that that you guys are on that doing this. Um, so I I have a a question around um, one of my favorite thought experiments that you talk about all the time, which is I call it the Thanksgiving experiment, but you probably have a different term for it. You know, the idea that if you were to stand up at a family gathering and say, ladies and gentlemen, mom, dad, I have plans of becoming unbelievably wealthy. What happens, right? What is the reaction? Yeah. And um, my question is, do I like, am I supposed to like, is that something just for me to be aware of like, what is the, some of the, the themes and some of the, the shame and guilt kind of carrying uh, carried out my subconscious or is it, do I want to get to a point where 
I'm able to, I guess, reprogram or rewrite so that I can do that thought experiment. And instead of having people kind of cringe, like see people absolutely support. David, can you check your mic? Sure. I, you, we only caught just we we missed your explanation because it it cut out and it got quiet. We couldn't hear you. Can you re-explain? Is it back now, said? Steph? Is yep, it back? I can hear you fine now. Thanks. Okay. All right. Do you need me to explain that again? Yes, please. Okay. So the idea is that when you do that that little exercise that you explained so well, when you when you feel uncomfortable thinking about standing up in front of all your family and relatives and friends and saying. My intention is to become unbelievably wealthy. And you get that little rumble in the pit of your stomach because you know how they would view you. You have to understand that the power of that is in you. The power of that recoiling because of what other people think about you deciding that you want to be different than the family is extraordinarily powerful to keep a person from actually becoming successful. And that it's something that we have to overcome in our journey to become successful, because as we go through that journey, we almost go through every person who has, that we have been exposed to that didn't believe in us, that told us that we were nuts, that said that we can't do this, that tried to give us an alternate belief based on what they believed. We have to overcome those in ourselves in order to become the the success that we want. And all that exercise does is show you how much of it is actually in yourself. That's beautiful. I love that. I have a, a, a little follow-up question to that. And it's interesting because, you know, my family has always been incredibly supportive of me. I mean, I can, I, you know, I can come out and say anything I want. You know, I'm gay or I need this or whatever. And my family will, will support me and be there for me. But what's interesting is that I grew up in a household where my parents, uh, you know, they met during the 60s, during the, the progressive movement. They marched. They, they were socialists. And they were very – so I grew up in a household that had very strong humanitarian values, but they were very critical of, of capitalism, right? And so, I, you know, that, that sort of theme was there. And so I guess my question is, like, is there a difference or does it matter that on, a, on an individual, like – you know, uh, personal level, I was empowered, you know, you can be anybody you want to be. But then on the other side, there was a, there was an ideological sort of um, component that like when people cringe in my thought experiment, it's really coming from that standpoint. Does that make sense? It makes sense. I don't, I don't think that it makes a difference either way. Um, what makes a difference is that you know that it's there. Here's what I have found. I think capitalists and socialists ultimately want the same thing. They just differ in how to get there. You know, I mean, the idea is how do we create a world where everybody can benefit from it? And capitalists believe that people have personal power and they can stand up and they can create that world for themselves and that it's their responsibility to do that. And socialists don't necessarily believe that. So the idea is that capitalists are keeping people from experiencing that world. And I don't particularly agree with it, but I do think that everybody really wants, those two ideologies ultimately want to end up in the same place to some extent. So what's important for you is just for you to be clear on what you believe and live those beliefs with every sense of your being. And don't apologize for it. Just you be the person you want to be. Love that. Thank you. Such a great discussion, having an amazing conversation about how to reprogram your middle-class mindset for wealth with David Nagel. If this is your first time listening to David and you want to be made aware of his other meetings on Clubhouse, go ahead and tap his profile pic and ring the bell, and that way you'll get notified of any upcoming and further um, trainings and Q&As. We're trying to make this as regular as possible, maybe even once per week, so you don't want to miss out. And if there's someone that you could really feel that you feel could really benefit from this, go ahead and share David with them so they can do the same thing. Next up, we've got Arnie. Good morning, good evening. I'm I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm Arna. Hi, I'm Arna from Holland, so that explains my uh, English accent. I hope you can understand me. Um, Thank you. Thanks. David, I, I listened to a podcast and you, um, I'm not sure if it's the same 
a topic, but you said that uh, people from uh, uh, an average family uh, can sometimes reach a point where they make the same income as their their parents, and then they feel like they reach the same level, and then the motivation disappears. Yes. And I, I feel maybe that's the case with me. So my question is, is two ways. A, how do I know that that's the uh, the reason for my uh, drop in motivation and drive? And B, uh, how do I find another drive or motivation if if that was my the reason for me to uh, uh, build a business and earn a certain income? Thank well, you. it uh, you thank you for asking the question. Um, I think that. It's probably very much one of the reasons why you would stop there. And it's not a coincidence, okay? So my thought process on it is this. If we stop at the same place our parents did relatively with our income, the, the prob- probably the primary force or driving force for us to earn that income is safety. Here is our experience what, with what life is like. It's called a financial set point. It's a subconscious set point, and they're usually driven by some kind of safety. Now, if you want to change it, the change comes down to asking a different question. And a person has to not only ask this question, but they have to be radically honest with themselves. And it is, what do I really want in my life? Now, You may not know the first time you ask the question, but you have to sit with it because if you do sit with it, your subconscious will eventually tell you. Um, You know, we're in in many, many ways, we're raised not to be different than the society that we have been a part of. And we get we, we get like subliminal messages that say if you're different, you know, it's not a good thing. In some way, that's communicated to many, many people around the around the world. So if we think to ourselves, well, what do I want? Maybe we have a value conflict there. And the idea is like, you can't have what you want because that's selfish. Uh, you can't have what you want because somebody else has to do with less. So you have to examine some of those things that you heard growing up. And of course, there's some ideas on the sheet that stuff is providing from everybody. But it's about really getting in tune with yourself and finding out what do you want and allowing yourself to want it. Give yourself permission to want what you want. Don't apologize for it. And when you get really clear, then set a path to go get it. Thank you. Very inspirational. Thank you very much for your time. Welcome. Such great questions. Having a fantastic discussion here on Clubhouse with David Nagel on how to reprogram your middle-class mindset for wealth. If you'd like to join the conversation, go ahead and raise your hand, and we'll bring you right up. In fact, I believe I'm bringing Danielle up right now. Hey, how are you guys? How are you doing? Good. So um, I'm, he- I'm listening to everything you're saying, and I'm wondering how do we apply this to our own children? So everything that you just said about how we're taught to not do things differently. And if we're doing it differently, then somehow there's something wrong with us or we're weird or whatever. Um, I'm in a situation where I homeschooled my, my son all year. It was the best thing I could have done for him. I am now, he's supposed to go into middle school next year. And instead of sending him to the middle school, I want to send him to, an alternative kind of progressive school. It's like a Sudbury school. And I keep having this internal conflict around what I think I'm supposed to do or what I should do versus what I feel like would free him. And so to me, wealth means freedom, right? And so I feel like my daughter already is like indoctrinated, essentially, like she has no interest in doing anything other than academia. She doesn't feel like she'll learn anything, but he has just a different way. And I'm just wondering, it feels easier for myself to battle and like be kind of a maverick sometimes in my choices. Um, I feel like I'm used to feeling unsafe at this point or uncomfortable, But when it comes to the kids, I get really scared and nervous that I'm going to fuck them up. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I'll tell you, I'll tell you what, what to do. First of all, 
Wealth doesn't give us freedom. The ability to create wealth gives us freedom. I would rather learn how to earn millions than win a lottery. Most people would rather win a lottery. And that's that's the op, that's the that's the value that you don't want to think that way. But here's what you do with your kids. You help them determine what they want at, at whatever age they are. And then you show them by cause and effect how to focus and how to get it. That is the greatest thing that you could teach them. You let them make decisions and you let them make mistakes, but you keep them guided in on something that they want because they learn from they integrate the idea of cause and effect into their mind and their nervous system, and it makes them realize that whatever they put their mind to in life, they can acquire. It really doesn't matter what it is. It just matters that they want it bad enough to go through all the changes and learning that they have to in order to acquire the thing that they want. And most parents don't do that. You know, most parents like they try to decide for the kid or tell the kid why they don't want it or why they shouldn't do that. Whatever the kid picks, as long as it's not like destructive or harmful, obvious, you let them go after it and you encourage them and you show them on a cause and effect basis how to get what it is that they want. It's the best thing you can do for their self-esteem. It's the best thing. It's the best way to teach them how to make decisions and stick to them, how to be committed and how to to accept what's really going on inside of them is being okay to want. I mean, most parents don't don't do that. They tell the kid what they're supposed to want, not the other way around. Yeah, that's really helpful. So what happens when you have kids that do not have what I feel like is an intrinsic motivation or like want like my son given the ability to choose would be like playing video games all day long like is that like what do you do right like no one has a big desire like they're young still they're only 11 and 12 my my 12 year old will be 13 but yeah. it's like there's and I want to teach them right I grew up middle class I am working my ass off to break through all of these paradigms and I've already succeeded in succeeding my parents, but I'm nowhere near done. And so I'm like learning as I raise them. And it's like, but nobody seems like they have like a motivation. So here's the, here's the thing. Um, there's a lot of people today that, that believe letting them play those video games is not a bad thing, that it's actually a good thing because of where we're going with technology and our society. I'm a little split with it, right? Because that wasn't the way that I was raised. So my, my own prejudice gets involved in that thought process. However, I think you need to expose your children to many, many different things so that they have the opportunity to experience different things to pick from while you're letting them fulfill something. You know, maybe Maybe it's like you, you, you help guide them by saying, listen, you have to pick a couple of different things that you have to work on, not just video games, so that you have a well-rounded experience in life and you have the idea to experience other things than just a video game. The problem that I have with video games is that it's so stimulating like a drug. I don't necessarily agree with somebody like Gary Vaynerchuk who thinks that it's perfectly fine to let them play video games for 15 hours a day. I don't think that it is doing everything that is required to be healthy for the blind by allowing them to be that stimulated for that period of time. I'm with you. I, I agree. I, I feel like it's so overstimulating, like it's creating new neural pathways that is just like turn on or turn off. And yeah. it's, like, it's like negating all these higher faculties, you know, that they like I want my kids to know intuition. I want them to have an imagination. I want them to create. And it's like taking out the creative part. So right. I feel like, um, yeah, no, thank you very much. Uh, thanks for your perspective. You're welcome. My pleasure. Okay, everybody, we are at the top of the hour. I want to just give some reminders. So a couple of things that I mentioned on this clubhouse, the first one is the successful mind podcast. So if you want more of David and you're not aware of it, please check out the successful we drop episodes every single week, and it's all content and full of helpful success mindset tips and business building strategies. And the second thing is, 
we want to remember the resource that we have that is a lack belief, um, kind of a middle class belief checklist. This would be great for you to go through, even if it's for yourself or, you know, send it to a friend or go through it with your kids and really uncover all these hidden beliefs that might be sabotaging your ability to, to create the success that you want in life. To get that, because obviously we can't get it to you on Clubhouse, I'm sure they'll, event, they'll invent a way at some point, but to get that, go ahead and click on David's profile picture, scroll down to Instagram, and then just DM him the word belief, and shortly after we wrap up here in just the next 30 seconds, we'll get you that uh, checklist, that document. You can go through it and, and see if these beliefs are wreaking havoc in your life as well. Thank you all so much. David, any last minute tips, tricks, anything you want to say about the middle class mindset before I, we I think, hang up? I think, yeah, I think they should just download, download the sheet that you're giving them and really study it and see you know, how much of that do they actually see in themselves. I think it'll be very enlightening. Cool. All right, everybody. Thank you so much. We hope to see you again real soon. Check us out at the Successful Mind Podcast or even just davidnangle.com. Enjoy the rest of your evening and we'll talk to you again real soon. Bye for now. Thanks for listening to the Successful Mind Podcast. And if you like what you heard and you want to know more, go to davidnagel.com forward slash free stuff.